I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Paul Freeman. Paul was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. After high school, he joined the Navy. He did a 20-year career in the Navy as a jet mechanic and was assigned to multiple aircraft carriers and squadrons. At the time of retirement, he was the aircraft maintenance chief for a F-18 squadron based in Fort Worth, Texas, called the VFA-201 Hunters. He lives in St. Charles, Illinois, and is married to his wife, Francine, who is a nurse. They have three children. One daughter lives in San Francisco and works as a speech therapist. One son just graduated from the University of Tennessee, and another son is attending Purdue. His nickname or call sign is Polly and has been his entire life. He is a graduate of the Embry Aeronautical University with a bachelor's in science in aircraft maintenance technology and a master's in aerospace operations. He is an adjunct professor at Embry-Riddle. Paul still works in the aviation industry as a commercial pilot and flight instructor for small aircrafts. He enjoys great Chicago pizza, all sports, he's a Bears and Cubs fan, and he loves playing golf and listening to live music. He has published two books called The Home Away From Home and The Legendary Hunters of Texas. Both of these books can be purchased on Amazon and come in paperback, hardcover, or ebook. All book proceeds get donated to the Gary Sinise Foundation to help veterans in need. Welcome to the show, Polly. Uh, Good morning, Kara. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Well, this is an excellent bio about you, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, okay. Um, You know, I'm a, uh, like I said in the bio, you know, retired Navy, uh, retired Navy chief. And uh, I, uh, um, currently live in St. Charles, um, with my wife, Francine, and, uh, I got my boys, uh, Joseph and Andrew here and, uh, my daughter Taylor in San Francisco, which I'm walking her down the aisle next week, uh, oh, in Napa Valley at her wedding. And oh. My chief's oh, congratulations. <laughs> How exciting. Yeah. I, I had to do some modifications to my chief's uniform because <laughs> it shrunk, it shrunk over the years. I bet it did. Fabric tends to do that, right? <laughs> So, anyways, um, so uh, you know, I got involved in book writing because uh, uh, back uh, years back, I was doing a uh, uh, supporting the Twenty Two Kill okay. uh, program for uh, and Twenty Two Kill represents it's an organization that represents uh, uh, the veterans and brings awareness to veterans that are struggling with PTSD. So. Okay. 22 kill, you had to do 22 push-ups for 22 days. And every day you did your 22 push-ups, you called somebody out and uh, and you challenged them to the task. And it was just to spread the word about PTSD. And I've seen that. Now that you say that with the 22 push-ups, I've definitely seen that. So Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the, the last day of the 22 kill program for me, I went out to my base that I had retired from in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, Naval Air Station, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, Joint Reserve Base, and I was doing the push-ups in front of our F-18 static display outside the front gate. Okay. And I was, yeah. And then after that, I uh, I went back. I drove on the base, and I went to the old mate, old hangar, and the hangar was just uh, the hangar had uh, all the memories were gone. The silhouette we had painted on the outside of the building, and all that was gone. So I, I got on the Facebook page, uh, squadron Facebook page, and. Um, you know, um, whatever, I, I wanked to the troops and I said, hey, guys, our history's gone. We were the first F-8, we were the first fighter squadron in naval history to go to combat, um, get called up to go do the combat, and we have no history. It's gone. Our hangars, you know, just looks like an empty building. Wow. And they, uh, on the Facebook page, everybody, uh, my, my, my uh, shipmates voluntold me to write a book about it, okay. about our unit. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, guys, I don't write a book. Oh, come on, chief, you can do the book. And then everybody started chiming in. Yeah, I vote for you to write the book. And so anyways, I said, okay, guys, I'll write the book. I'll write a documentary on the squadron, and then I will uh, uh, donate all the money to the veterans so that we can make a difference as VFA 201 hunters 
even though we're it's decommissioned, the squadron was decommissioned in 07, and our building looks like just a bunch of bricks, uh, we could still make a difference through through that method. So that was kind of how I got started. And then um, wow. uh, the recent book, Home Away From Home, um, I hadn't written a book in, in a couple of years. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a big time author, Kara, you know, I'm, uh, you know, uh, certainly I can write a paragraph, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I could put words together and all that, but I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not like a Hemingway, obviously, or, you know, a big time author. So what I write about are things that I'm passionate about, which makes it easy. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the first book, Legendary Hunters of Texas, you know, I was in that unit for seven years. I, I could, I easily could have written a book about that. And I did a, a little book. And then uh, Home Away from Home is more curtailed around the, uh, I came in the Navy in 84 and I was on that USS Carl Vinson aircraft carrier for four years. Okay. And during that time, you know, I was uh, a kid coming out of Chicago. Uh, you know, I, I was heavily involved in sports and, and, um, but you know, I, I, how could a kid from Chicago growing up on the North side end up on an aircraft carrier, uh, you know, um, so anyways, my, I joined the Navy due to my grandpa who lived with us and he was a Navy guy at one time, had a Navy ring on and okay. he, used to, he used to tap that ring on his little table <laughs> upstairs in our house, yeah. in my, like my sophomore year of high school or junior year of high school. And so what are you going to do after the Navy? I go, I'm going to University of Texas, El Paso. I'm going to go play football. He goes, no, you're not. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, you're going in the Navy. I go, I'm going in the Navy. He goes, yeah. I go, uh, no, I'm not. All my friends are going to college. You know, all my, yeah. my, my uh, all my friends were, you know, athletes of sports. We were, that's what, that was my nucleus I hung out with throughout my life and sure. growing up. So, uh, and because of sports, uh, growing up in the city, it kept me out of trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a fork in the road when you grow up in the city, in a big city like Chicago, <clears throat> you can go right or you can go left. And if you go right, that's the good side. If you go yeah. left, you could find yourself in some trouble. So uh, luckily for me, I, I enjoyed a uh, certain type of friends that had same interests and and we were all college bound type people and all that. So that, that really helped me out. But anyways, my grandpa said, no, you're not, not going in uh, you're not going to UTEP. <clears throat> you're going to go down there and goof off. And I said, no, I'm going to go to good college. What are, what are you going to do? I go, I'll get a business degree. He goes, and he goes, you'll be back here in two years. <laughs> I go, Oh God, thanks. I think I said, thanks grandpa. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. He goes, no, you'll be back here in two years. Guarantee it. Go in the Navy, get your college done there. I was like, I go, well, I, you know, I can't go in as an officer because my grades are terrible. Okay. You know, I, I, yeah, I wasn't a good student. Sports were your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were too much of my thing. And, and I didn't care about the, I did enough. I went to a prep school, a prep high school in Chicago. Uh, I actually got a scholarship from eighth grade to go there to play football. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so prep school, I didn't have to pay the tuition wow. at this Catholic high school. All I had to do was run with a football, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that track, and then uh, part of my work scholarship there was to run, uh, to uh, manage the uh, the weight room at the high school, which was great, fit right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, back then, and uh, so I didn't do good in school, but uh, so I went in as enlisted, uh, joined the Navy, and uh, anyways, so the home away from home is about those, the period growing up in the city, uh, the conversation with grandpa and then my first four years on the ship. And I met a lot of friends that I still stay in touch with these days yeah. that we get together periodically from 84 to 88 timeframe. Okay. So I put their stories in the book as well. Okay. And, uh, so home away from home is predicated on the same principle as the legendary hunters of Texas. All proceeds get donated to the Gary Sinise foundation. Yeah. Uh, I don't make no money off these books. And uh, uh, the, the, the Gary Sinise connection, um, I was doing a book signing at an air show in Fort Worth, Texas, Blue okay. Angels performing. And I had the Legendary Hunters book at the time that I was, I just go there, I got my little booth and I sign books and yeah. whatever I can, you know, I collect a couple hundred bucks off of it over the weekend and throw it in the Gary Sinise Foundation. Well, unbeknownst to me, somebody had come up to my booth and uh, 
said, yeah, I'd like a book. So I started explaining my mission and they go, oh, we know about your mission. Uh, I'm Gary Sinise's promoter. Wow. And I went, I went oh, you are? <laughs> I go, yeah. I go, so if I sign a book right now to Gary Sinise, you're going to give it to him? She goes, absolutely. She goes, uh, so happens that Gary Sinise was doing the, uh, DF, the Dallas-Fort Worth Snowball Express concert, Lieutenant Dan Band, that yeah. he does, like in a, a month from from when that when I first met the promoter. She goes, you're going to a concert? And I, I, I looked at my wife and her, and I go, no, we're not going to a concert. She goes, uh, you come to a concert, you guys will be my guest, you sit with me, and... Uh, Oh, so that. fun. <laughs> so I gave her a book, right? She goes, after the show, come find me and I'll give you the tickets to, to meet us there. So I, after the show, air show, I, we find her and uh, she she walks over. She hands me the book back that I signed for Gary Sinise. And I said, uh, why are you handing me the book back? And she goes, well, I just got off the phone with Gary and he wants you to hand him the book at his concert. Oh. I, said, I said, you're kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, no. So we go to the concert, moving forward a month later, and we're sitting there up front with the promoter and uh, my wife and I, and promoter taps me in the middle of Lieutenant Dan Band's concert and goes, uh, get ready. And I go, for what? She goes, you're going up on stage. Oh. And I says, what? Yeah. <laughs> my wife, I go, I, hey, I guess I'm going up on stage. Uh, so... I could tell the promoter was talking to another promoter at the event while the band was doing their thing. And they said, Oh no, no, hold on. After the, we're going to go to his bus after the concert. Okay. Uh, I said, Oh, okay. So uh, after the concert, I went, we followed her to the bus and Gary Sinise pops out of his big bus and goes, uh, hey, uh, Chief Freeman, where are you? And I look and I go, Hey, sir. I'm, he goes, he comes over and he goes, don't call me, sir. It's Gary. And no. I'm just wanting to meet you, Paul. And I'm like, wow. So, he made an impression on me because somebody his status that takes time to yeah. talk to a guy like me that's, you know, throwing a couple hundred bucks at the foundation. Um, anyways, he's from Chicago. So then that started a whole. Yeah. There's always that connection there, right? If yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that started another, added another 30 minutes to the conversation we had outside his bus. And, and uh, so took a couple pictures and uh, it was an honor to meet him. And I believe in what he does and, you know, veterans struggle, uh, some struggle, especially they struggle mostly on that transition from when you go from the military to civilian sector. And um, some, I was fortunate enough, I didn't struggle with uh, that transition. I sure. prepped myself to move on to another career after, after the Navy, but some folks uh, like the Marines and, and the ground troops, those are the, those are the ones that are really, really seeing some awful things. Yeah. And I think, um, and I hate to call it post-traumatic stress syndrome disease because I don't call it a disease. I call it, I hate this, that word disease. I think it's more, and I'm not a doctor obviously, but I like to drop the D on it because it's a, it, it, they ran into some events that traumatized them. Yeah, it's not that they had some sort of infection in their body or something. It's what they saw. Yeah. Um, so those folks, that, folks that come out of those, uh, you know, the ones that really see the stuff, the bad stuff, and they have some of them have problems adjusting. Uh, just as a, if you come out of the military and you didn't see any dramatic stuff, you still have a little bit of hard time adjusting because you're used to being in a unit. Yeah. You're used to working as a team. And the camaraderie that you have, and when you go from the military to the civilian sector, you know it's not quite the same. Yeah, I so, was actually going to ask you that because I feel like from hearing stories from my husband, it almost seems like a sports team in a way sometimes, especially like when he was just on this carrier, you know, a few years back. It they really worked as a team together, and I feel like maybe that gives you the similar things that you enjoyed from sports translated into your career in the navy and, and then i was going to talk about that oh okay uh, sorry i totally <laughs> segue for my thoughts that i had that i was going to um so sports is the same concept like you just said kara you know you, you're used to being on a team you know whether it's uh, football basketball baseball whatever and you're all working together to, to, to win the game you know and yeah. uh, support your teammates in action and all that stuff and, and athletes have the same kind of issues from transitioning at the I'm, I'm assuming more at the uh, 
maybe the uh, collegiate professional levels, yeah. they played a little longer than high school folks like myself didn't go on to college and sure. play ball because my they, they had a, they didn't have a grandpa that was saying you're going in the Navy in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I was going to go play college football. But anyway, um, yeah, but I think they go through some of the similar transitions. Obviously, I'm not comparing athletes to military folks, but the dynamics of going from group dynamics to now I'm out here in the civilian sector and okay, my identity was I was number thirty. I was a running back on that football team. Well, now I'm not. Now I'm Paul and, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm working at a warehouse driving a forklift now, and yeah. nobody knows me from heck of beans, but when you're number 30 running with a football, oh, everybody knows who Freeman is, you know, or whoever, you know, yeah. whoever. Um, and it's the same with the military, the same concept. You come out of military, you're used to having those folks that you worked with uh, for four years, sometimes back-to-back tours you might have been there eight years with that same group um you know uh and then you come out civilian sector and you're a civilian and you know nothing nothing compares to the dynamics of working in naval aviation uh whether it be uh, a maintenance chief a mechanic a pilot um nothing compares to to the the camaraderie and the thrill and the uh, experiences that you have uh, when you when you have that kind of stuff and you go to transition to commercial aviation, um, there's just nothing that compares to it. I mean, uh, you know, F-18s taking off on a carrier, yeah. F-14, you know, an afterburner and 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 then all the dynamics up on a flight deck and and you know, uh, just you know. Nothing compares to it. Uh, For all age ranges, I think even my my son and my husband, they just did the Tiger Cruise um, with a friend, actually, because my husband was on the carrier in the 2020 time period. So they were, of course, doing no Tiger Cruises at that point. And for listeners that you don't know what a Tiger Cruise is, essentially, you can bring on your family member for a day to the aircraft carrier, and then they go out to see... And they had an air show out there. And my son still, I mean, this was probably six months ago. He is still talking about (laughs) when Uh the F-18s were taking off and they did the sonic boom and showed them that. I mean, even he's seven and he's just fascinated by that experience. (laughs) I got involved. I, I, like I said, I went into military as an enlisted guy and I was a jet engine mechanic. Uh, I sat, so basically my, my, the thing that enticed me about aviation is we lived on the final approach path at O'Hare Airport in okay. Chicago yep. as a kid. And uh, so me and my, my pops would sit out in the backyard and we would look at the tails of the airplanes flying over our house cool. and we'd be calling out, oh, that's United, that's American. And I always, for me, there's some reason it drew me to the engines. That I'm like, those engines on that on those jets are interesting to me. I, I mean, it's crazy. How do they work? And well, lo and behold, I I went in as a jet engine mechanic, you know. Yeah. Um, so, well, I went in as a aviation bosun's mate first, and then when I realized I didn't want to do that, I I just changed my MOS to um, to jet engine mechanic. And, and uh, um, anyways, so. Yeah. Um, that's kind of some stuff. Uh, yeah. Did your family do a lot of the moving around with you then as well? Uh, yeah. At the time, the, uh, uh, no, not not necessarily because I did some moving around before uh, I had a family. And then okay. after I had a family, uh, it was only a couple, uh, just a couple moves because I kind of homesteaded myself and stayed in one area. Nice. Yeah. So I, uh, I uh, didn't have to bounce too much, but I did over 20 years, I was on three aircraft carriers uh, because all the airplanes that all the squadrons I was in were aircraft carrier type jets. Okay. So I spent a lot of time out at sea because of the the mission and the type of jet. So it was, I was uh, a sixes, which is a tail hook jet. It goes out the carrier F 14s tail hook. They go out to the carriers and F 18s tail hook. They go out to the carriers. Yeah. So all my, all the, um, squadrons i was in were aircraft they were carrier based type squadrons yeah were you gone a lot then out to sea yeah, well you know I, I would say out of 50 out of 20 years i spent 
total, I got over five years of actual sea time. Wow. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's, I don't know if that's probably the average time. Uh, I would say there's probably, there's folks out there, obviously that, you know, uh, spent a lot more time in their 20 year career out at sea, but my, my total sea time was about five years total, you know, yeah. going from, uh, I was on the John F. Kennedy periodically, the USS Carl Vinson was the first carrier, and that's what the Home Away from Home book's yeah. about. And then the Theodore Roosevelt uh, was the last ship I was on, and that's when uh, uh, I was the maintenance chief for the F-18 squadron. We did the shock and all airstrikes into Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003. Wow. Uh, initial airstrikes and all that okay. stuff. Uh, and, the, and the reason we did that was the ground troops, special forces. We, we did the – we took out – infrastructure stuff, sure. comms, runways, so that special troops and and so forth can move up to the northern border of uh, Iraq. Um, okay. And that's kind of what the mission was back, yeah. up, back then. So you retired then in 2004? Yes, 2004. Okay. Yeah. All right. And were you in Texas at that time? Is that where you were stationed? I was in Texas, and then uh, I had moved to California and got into uh, civil aviation, um, um, and I was managing, I went from F-18s, uh, managing F-18 jets to managing Gulfstream jets for Wells Fargo executive okay, yeah, out of California and oil people that had Gulfstreams. And I was the director of quality for that company. And, and then, um, you know, a long story short, then I, I got the current job that I have, uh, which I'm not, I really can't it's not like it's a secret job, but it, it's not related to, uh, I can only talk about civilian, av uh, I can sure. only talk about military aviation. I can't talk about, uh, um, civil aviation sure. because of what I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then, so when did you move back to Illinois then? Uh, we moved back to Illinois, uh, last year, just over a year ago. Okay. We, uh, we lived in Texas, in Texas, 26 years. Okay. And then uh, came up here for family. Okay. And uh, so we're up here for a while um, and uh, spending time with family. Yeah. And uh, we love, we love St. Charles. We love the area, the house, all that. We uh, we're enjoying spending time with family. Um, you know, being in, being down from the South for so long though, eventually we're going to probably migrate back to the South at some point. Yeah. You know, uh, the winters up here are brutal as, as we knew all this coming back up here, but yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. it's been, uh, we've been away, I think 13 years now, my husband's been in and uh -huh. we've lived in very sunny, mild places. So to think about going back to Chicago winter is I, I'm not sure that we'll be able to do it. Sorry, family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 psychologically, I, I, you know, it's really tough. Even now I struggle, but it is fun to see the family and, and, and we'll be up here for a little bit yeah. and we'll migrate back down. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, well, thank you for sharing all that. I had one other thought I had written down as you were talking um, about the PTS dropping the D is I feel like you're saying with the D, it just gives it such a negative connotation when oh, this is their reality. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, that, that is, it gives it a negative connotation. Like there's something wrong with them. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with our, our, our troops that are exposed to awful things to, uh, and you know, defending our freedoms in this country. And, and, and they sign on, they sign on the dotted line, you know, with their life yeah. to go defend our country and, and our freedoms. And, uh, you know, um, so, and some pay the ultimate price and others, pay prices that they have to live with. And, you know, um, it's, it, uh, you know, um, mental disorders just in general is such a huge problem in our society these days, but I can definitely relate it to the military folks coming out that some that have problems uh, and there's not a lot of support. So, yeah. you know, um, the programs out there that are supposed to support us and I'm not going to get into the names of them, but, you know, they don't do a really good job. So what you find is you find a lot of folks like me or or other folks that do, you know, uh, are really heavily involved in supporting our, our veterans uh, through different programs that they start up themselves because yeah. they can't stand to see a fellow brother or sister 
rely on a on a a system that doesn't take care of them properly. Yeah. So they outreach and they feel compelled to uh, to create uh, their own programs where they could bring veterans in and have just you know uh, kind of give them some support and bring them around people that they they're familiar with that can talk to. Because a veteran that struggles with uh, PTS is most likely from a traumatic military event. Most likely is not going to talk to somebody that they can't relate to. Yeah. They can, they'll, they'll talk to a fellow uh, um, troop, you know, uh, that they that have common ground. And, and, and that's, that's kind of a good thing about some of these programs that are out there um, that are uh, the Gary Sinise foundation does so much for amputees, builds homes for these folks. And, yeah. uh, you know, 22 kill holds events, um, all these different programs out there. No Fall on Heralds, uh, uh, that's a friend of mine who was a pilot in our squadron. Uh, wow, okay. Uh, he, uh, yeah, Matthew Wiz Buckley, he runs that program. And okay. uh, he uh, he has a couple L-39 jets that he flies around and takes people up in. And he's heavily involved in in, uh, in supporting our troops. Uh, my, my friend Richard Fleek, who runs the Scuttlebutt podcast show. Okay. Uh, he, what his show does is he, uh, he brings on veterans that their stories are never told. Yeah. Nobody would know about it, but yet this person is, uh, seen combat and saved, you know, save lives in battle. And, and he brings these veterans on his show, the scuttlebutt podcast show, and he has them tell their stories, which is really cool. Yeah. And, I'm going to have to check that one out. Cause I, oh, you might because the Scuttlebutt podcast show, it's only been in existence for over a year. Okay. Um, they won the national, they are voted the number one Navy podcast in the, in the nation. They got, oh, wow. they were number one in the okay. national awards. The yeah. Scuttlebutt podcast, it's Andrew Fair, who's a okay. Marine, and right. Richard Fleet, who is my shipmate from back in 84 to 88, Carl wow. Benson days. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. That sounds really interesting. Colin Harrells, Matthew Wiz Buckley was an F-18 pilot in my squadron as the maintenance chief, and he's doing a lot of great things. Those two things, I, I always try and throw out a little bit of promotion for them, guys. Yeah, well, we'll include all the links in the show notes as well, so people can find those too. So. Sure. Awesome. Well, let's switch gears a little bit, and let's talk a little bit about who you are as a reader. So what type ah. of books do you like to read? Well, this is an easy segue. The first one I like, I like to read, I actually like to read documentaries. Okay. Uh, I like to know what makes people, um, I, I, I like to know what makes people, uh, what makes their, what makes their heart beat to the drum? You know, what drives them? What yeah. is their motivation force factors or what have you? Um, I like stories about trials and tribulations. I'm a big Rocky fan. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I love. I mean, I know it's only a movie, but the story itself yeah. is somebody it's a story struggles, comes up has no options, no opportunities, and they go make their opportunities and the struggles and trials, tribulations they 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 go through to get to where they're at is very intriguing to me. I like that. Yeah. But uh, the books I'm going to talk about today, the three books are are both they're all military based books, and, okay. and that's kind of what I like to read. Um, you know, military-based books is uh, something I can relate to. Um, I don't know if you want me to start talking about those three books. or Yeah, actually, before we go to your book flight, I have one other question. Do you think you're going to write another book yourself? Do you have any other ideas? <laughs> okay, so for me, as a writer, uh, I'm a small-time writer. I got to get motivated. And something's got to <laughs> catch. You know what I mean? Something's yep. got to And I got to be like, yes, I want to do that. And right now... Uh, uh, you know, if, if something comes to me, okay. Uh, uh, I have some thoughts, but nothing tangible I can put my fingers on at this moment. But yeah, I probably will eventually write another book about something. Yeah, uh, you're working yeah. it out in your head. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that that you know, it's like you know, it's it, it's like uh, I, I used to do art as a kid. Okay. Well, imagination is what creates yeah. thoughts and writing, in my opinion. Just like art, when you're trying to draw something or paint something, you, you have an imagination and you trans, transform that to a piece of paper and a drawing. Same with writing for me. Um, the books I wrote really quick, 
was therapeutic for me. Yeah. Because um, when I wrote the books, I was reliving moments and yeah. time. And it was so cool. And I didn't know about, I didn't know that was going to be the effect on the yeah. two books I wrote. But when I wrote them, every time I wrote one of those books, it put me back in time. And it, you know, and I just felt like it was just, it was a great experience for me. Yeah. Uh, well, know, I know uh, what I, I already know what I'm buying my husband for Father's Day. <laughs> home away from home. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, he'll, he'll love that. So, well, and this will know, air after Father's Day. So he, <laughs> We good. Get your hardcover hard copy. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, okay. So let's talk about your book flight. So we have the military base books. Uh -huh. What is the first book of the book flight that we'll talk about today? Well, I know this isn't going to be on the video, but, or. Yep. Okay. Gary, Gary Sinise, a grateful American. You know, I didn't know he wrote a book. So I'm so intrigued to hear about this. Yes. A journey from self to service. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Gary obviously is a, you know, well-known actor and, uh, you know, he was, he was Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump and he was on Law and Order and, and, um, you know, he had some, uh, dealings with troops over his time because of his being so famous and all that. He, he, you know, uh, apparently he got involved with, he, he wanted to do something for the troops, okay. something greater than himself. And it talks about, about that. And, um. And how he created the foundation, and and um, so I found it to be a really good read. Obviously, I'm a little biased, you know, because <laughs> I'm a Sinise fan, but uh, so yeah, that, that's generally what the you know the book is about about his how he got involved with supporting the troops and and all the work that's involved for him yeah. and his band and and all the uh, um, um, I guess responsibilities he has now because he's doing this Gary Sinise foundation um, and how much work's involved, you know, to travel. And I mean, he goes to all these, he, he like Bob Hope used to do back way before our yeah. day, you know, he used to go perform for the troops and all over the world. And, and he talks about that in his book and, and uh, grateful American, a journey from self to service, Gary Sinise. Uh, okay. so I, you know, a lot of sacrifices on his part too. And yeah. uh, you know, uh, so I found it to be a good read. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you had said, I like books that kind of tell me why people did what they did. And it yeah. sounds like this book fits right in there for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He actually just did an event out here in San Diego that we went to a few months ago. And it was top notch. I mean, there was everything you just walked in and it was great. And you know, he was out walking around amongst the people as well right like he wasn't hiding in the back and um mm -hmm. they actually had robert irvine the the chef he cooked yeah. all the food yep. and they were just out amongst us which i found so you know interesting because i would think you know they're super famous they'd be mobbed by all these people but people were very respectful of yeah. them as well right like they knew they were running the event and you could tell they were walking around trying to make sure things were taken care of and People yeah. weren't mobbing them, but it, it yeah. was so fun. It was a really great event and very family oriented. Uh, Gary Sinise in conversation is is very humble. And he thanked me for what I was doing during our time when I met him. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, Gary, I go, you're the modern day Bob Hope for all of us. Come on. Yeah. He goes, everything counts, Paul. Everything counts. Yeah. And uh, so very humble man. Uh, easy to talk to, very soft spoken, easy going. Okay. Uh, um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that one. So, that was Grateful American by Gary Sinise. What's the second book of the flight today? So, this one is Fly the Flag for Me. Okay. And, and one of my sisters uh, bought it for me. And okay. it's by, and I hope I don't destroy her name, Joy of bang okay and her husband was in the military and and she overheard some stories between her husband and some uh some uh fellow troops of his talking years after they got out and, and uh and she goes she was like i didn't know you did all that stuff and he goes well yeah i did you know and and uh we did you know and, yeah. and so she was fascinated by by hearing her husband talk about stories to you know, his fellow Marines and, 
what have you that. So she decided to write a book and capture other veteran stories. Okay. So like my friend Richard Fleek and the Scuttlebutt podcast, he does podcast interviews for veterans. Sure. She put it all in one book and it's, it tells veteran stories of those who, who are, you know, um, you know, uh, not famous, you know, rest in peace, Chris Kyle, rest in peace, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, are not famous like, you know, uh, our, our war heroes are. And uh, so she captures these stories in this book. And these are people you've never heard of. And uh, she put them all in one book. And uh, so I find that fascinating, too, because, again, it's more documentary type individual based documentaries on people you never even heard of. Yeah. You know? So, um, and I, I love that. I think people are absolutely fascinating. I think I owe that to my dad. My dad was a people person and, and I grew up in Elgin and we yeah. would go, well, you know, St. Charles then. Oh yeah. My aunt lives there as well. And, uh, but we would go, you know, to any, it could be any place. It would have been like the Amoco gas station or this restaurant, you know, and he would see two to three people he knew everywhere we went because he, yeah was just he loved people and he loved hearing their stories and he gave you know you could tell he was a really good listener when you sat down in conversation with him and i think people were drawn to that because they could tell their story yes yeah and that, that that's priceless and um i feel fortunate and blessed enough to have had my military experience uh that um because the connections that are well beyond your service days the connections are just you know, so much fun yeah. to uh, come across, you know, and uh, I love hearing that you're still in contact with people you were in the military with, because I, I, I secretly hope, right, that these friendships that we've made along the way, they will persist over time and that we will still, you know, see and talk to one another. So well, even as a military spouse, right, like I've also created a, a network, right? even though I'm not the active duty. Well, it's different now, right? <clears throat> because now you have social media. True. So what happened was uh, the folks that are in my home away from home book that we're actually meeting next month in Virginia. Okay. Uh, for our annual get together, be about four or five of us from yeah. home away from home, the book okay. uh, that are those folks that are in there. Um, social media. So the reason why we got all, we got all reconnected was through Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And boom, boom. And the next thing you know, so staying in touch with people is easier these days True. than, was, you know, prior to that. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm singing to the choir on that. Everybody knows that, but yeah, that's how it happened for us. My group. Well, let's go, let's jump back to our book flight here a little bit. So that was fly the flag for me by joy Avang. And then what's yep. the last book of our pairing today? The last book is called the wisdom of the bullfrog. Okay. Now, I am a huge fan of Admiral William H. McRaven. Okay. I, I, the, he, he made a commensary speech at the University of Texas years ago. And uh, he talked about uh, some philosophies, 10 things that, you know, you should do every day. And, okay. Uh, so his book, without going too much off tangent here, his book is, a, uh, is just a, it's, it's just a, um, it's an, a book about a bunch of quotes and stories that he wrote where he okay. can tie into his, at the end of each story or experience, he writes some philosophy about it, what you can learn from it and, and leadership type stuff. And Oh yeah. I would love a book like this. I like yeah, this. Yeah. The wisdom of the bullfrog. And um, yeah, one of his things that are, that I love. It, oh it, yeah. There it is. Make your bed and see stories. So one of the <laughs> things he says, and it makes so much sense. Is he the make your bed guy as well? Did he, there's a smaller book called make your bed. Uh, well, this is the one that I have. It's a small book that he wrote, but Admiral was a, uh, he was a Navy SEAL. Okay. Yeah. He was a Navy SEAL. He was in charge of all the Navy SEALs. Okay. Um, this book is basically leadership made simple, but not easy. Yeah. So, I'm interested in, in those kind of leadership uh, type of uh, philosophies and stuff as well. Um, again, what makes somebody trigger? What, you know, how do you, uh, 
just being a coming out of the Navy or military as a senior enlisted person or whatever, leadership's always something I'm interested in, yeah. even in my post-military days, uh, in my other jobs and stuff I'm doing. Um, but um, make your bed. That's one of the best things I ever heard him say. He says, make your bed every day. Why? He goes, because you can make your bed every day. And if you have a lousy day, he goes, when you come home, your bed has already been made. And that's nice. He's got a lot of great philosophies in here. Okay. Um, and uh, so if you're, if you're into, uh, oh, if, if you, if you're looking, I don't care who you are. If you're a CEO at Apple or you're a, uh, you're a current, you know, uh, officer or a uh, senior enlisted person in the military, or you're, you're a manager at Walmart or whatever you're doing in life. If you're in a, you want to learn some things about leadership and, and uh, uh, this is a good read, it's simple, short. It's not, not, not a really hard read. And, and like I said, after each story, you know, he explains, uh, he'll give you his philosophy after the story. Okay. Uh, after each chapter. Um, and uh, and he, always, he, go, he always calls it simple. So one of the things he said in, in chapter three, it's simple. Be confident, he says. These are his three recommendations that he has at the end of each one. Sure. He says, be confident you were given the job because you have talent and experience. Trust your instincts. Okay. Item two, he says, be decisive. Don't take too much counsel of your fears. Be thoughtful, but not paralyzed by indecision. And number three, he said, be passionate. Show your employees you care about them and about the mission. I mean, it's common sense things, but he puts it in a book and makes you think about it. And you can use some of these attributes that he speaks of for leadership in your own yeah. uh, professional life. Or, or if you're coaching the Pee Wee baseball team as a, as a father or mother out there, you, you know, uh, how, to, how to lead people. And uh, there's my three books for you, Karen. I love <laughs> it. All right. So that was The Wisdom of the Bullfrog by Admiral William H. McRaven. I recently interviewed captain brett crozier does that name ring a bell for you uh crozier. he was he was the ceo on the tr during 2020 with when the covid pandemic happened okay and he oh. and the the email got leaked to the media yeah. oh yeah and he has a book coming out it, it'll be out by the time your show airs but it's i think june 14th i just interviewed him and it, it sounds very similar to this um last book you shared yeah, it's called surf when you can and it's like tenants that he's learned through his military career and just life lessons you could take from that and i read it because i was going to be having him on the show and i found it even applicable to just my family life and how i manage my family essentially right yeah. and so you know listeners if you're listening to this don't shy away from these military books because they are so applicable to life in general <laughs> so yeah it, exactly. That's well said, Karen. That's exactly what I'd like to get his book. Uh, yeah, it's, so. you can pre-order it now um, and it'll be out uh, June 14th. And I think everyone should read it, like including military spouses, because it gave me such a perspective on what is asked of the service members. Right. Like I'm just the wife on the side. Right. But, yeah. you know, my husband, he's being asked to complete a mission and there's gonna be times that he needs to focus on completing the mission right and like the family's gonna just take a step back for like the couple next couple hours right and yeah just to understand that as a military spouse was was really good i'm like i wish i would have read this before we did our carrier days <laughs> well, and military spouses make such huge sacrifices for their military member that's on deployment yeah. um i mean military spouses whether it's a mother or a father that the non-military person, the sacrifices and the challenges that they face while their military uh, member is away from home is just incredible. And and uh, hats off to, to you and all the Thank military you. spouses out there that because it's impossible. And, and we know we could go on about stories about how military spouses when it doesn't work. But yeah. I want to stay on the side where it's supportive, like in your case, and it's, it's prospering and it's, it's, it, it enables the military member to uh, focus more on what they need to do while they're deployed. And, um, 
and uh, while the military spouse keeps everything running at home, and and uh, so the military spouse deserves a huge amount of uh, recognition as well, not just <laughs> one in uniform. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's it's hard to receive that, right? Like you're like, oh no, yeah. it's okay, it's just him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also have one other dessert pairing. I was thinking of you, or sometimes I like to give people a thank you, you know, a, a recommendation for you as well for coming on the show. So, have you read the book called Tribe by Sebastian Younger? No. Okay, gonna... he's the same guy that wrote The Perfect Storm. Um, if you remember that movie. Uh-huh. He is, I believe he was a journalist to start, um, but he actually, do- this book is all about PTS and modern warfare, but he does a deep dive into it and he goes into looking at, it's called Tribe because he goes and he looks at these tribal um various scenarios in life, right? I think he goes to Native Americans, he goes to sports teams, and he looks at what human behaviors manifest in these tribes, right? In the communities like you talked about, the cooperation as a team, the working together, the interreliability amongst one another. And he looks at these principles hmm. and also in relation to our soldiers. Oh, and wow. so he draws from history, he draws from modern day, and he takes a look at the two and how like exactly what you talked about these veterans yes and how they have a difficult time when they are transitioning back home and what they're losing when they're going back home and it's not saying you're losing like by going back to your family but what you're losing from your tribe mentality when you return home and so i found it was a it wasn't a fairly long read, but I found it so fascinating. What's his last name? Um, it's Younger. It's J-U-N-G-R. So, um, but yeah, it, he. I think he did such a great job with it. You can tell he did a lot of research, It's, but it's a very compelling read. It's not a dry nonfiction read. Um, and he talks a lot about how we can maybe help change like these social dynamics for the veterans. And so it's looking at, uh, you know, ways to hopefully improve that in the future. So yeah. I thought it was great. And I think you might enjoy it. Yeah, I want to take it out. Thank you. Kim. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So that was Tribe by Sebastian Younger. And I think there's a subtitle aside, uh, subtitles on homecoming and belonging. So that's the subtitle of the book. Okay. Um, Lastly, I love to finish our episodes with what I call our bonus pairings. So these are just a speed round of questions. You can answer these very quick. Uh-oh. So where <laughs> is your favorite place to read? The couch. Okay. All right. What is one book you have read that has changed your life? I would say Grateful American. Okay. By Denise, because it, it just propelled me to support him more. Yeah, absolutely. And then are you a rereader? Not necessarily. Okay. All right. And lastly, what are you reading next? I'm reading Tribe by Sebastian. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, I'll, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it after you read it. So, <laughs> and we actually did an episode. I learned about that book. I believe it's episode 15. Um, I had a, a fellow military spouse come on and she did a whole episode on books related to combat veterans. So that whole episode you might find very fascinating because there was two other recommendations from her book flights. I just have not picked them up myself yet, which is why I recommended tribe. Um, But she did a whole episode on like PTS and books related. When when I get the links and all that, I'll check it out. Yeah. yeah, My my professional life, I read. Yeah. I read for a living basically in my other life. Um, and, uh, but yeah, relaxing on the couch with a, a book that, uh, the, well, the other book I have is Charles Barkley. Okay. Player. Yep. So I got that book sitting, sitting on the, uh, nightstand underneath, uh, in our, in our living area. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So I haven't, so there you go. It's a documentary again, you know, yeah. it's a biography, uh, you know, what, and, uh, and so I haven't really done anything with that one yet, but so I like sports. I like military. And I love Chicago 
pizza and hot dog. <laughs> How do you take your hot dog? No ketchup. <laughs> if you just start with that, no ketchup. There the you go. Dog. Yeah, no. It, it, it's a joke in Chicago. Well, as you know, you're Elgin, yeah. so. Yeah, and I take it the Chicago style, you know, with the relish and the peppers and the papasi bun and yep. the onions. And, yeah, and the yeah. Uh, sports peppers, I guess I said. And, and then I don't put no ketchup on it. I put ketchup on fries. Yes, <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you are have never been to Chicago, People get very passionate about the way they take their hot dog as well as their pizza. And we're very passionate about our food. <laughs> yes, we are. And we got, we got, yeah. And I, I, I'm married into an Italian family, so I eat good all the time. There you go. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I so appreciate your time and for being here with me today. Well, thank you, Kara, for letting me on your show and uh, great conversations. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation today with Paulie Freeman and his book flight of military-based books. We'd love to hear what other books you would pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, Especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.